Okay, I'm bored in the house and I'm in the house, boy. Boy, bored in the house and I'm in the house, boy. Boy, 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 I'm bored, boy, boy, boy. Welcome one, welcome all to RD53. Uh, it's April 5th, or April 53rd, <laughs> April 28th. Uh, we're still here, I think, sort of, although the mind's going to mush, obviously. Hello, Michael. How you doing, Daryl? Very good. Very good. Tosi? Hey, hey. Oh, it's just great to be back with you guys in digital form. I'm sure the the Stars fan and the and the Pod fan are just elated that we're back again this week. You do wonder what we can talk about, and, and uh, are they interested about it? But there seems to be good feedback. Yeah, there's 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 some. Oh, I don't know about that, but there's there's some <laughs> stuff to talk about. Uh, it looks as though one is not going to need to ponder gobbling Tide Pods like a toddler on a bowl of goldfish snacks, <laughs> because B-ball is reporting to work soon. At least that's what we're hearing. This, let me ask you right off the top, you two. This is great news. This is super great news, or the greatest leaveable news you've ever heard. <laughs> I'm going with the greatest available news I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm so so for it, and I believe they can control. All sports can control at least the ramp up. Uh, if you can control your own athletes, get them over here, get them in a contained environment. Uh, I think it's very doable. But they're saying uh, a few things, but one is their gyms are going to reopen. They're only going to put like four guys in there at a time or something. Uh, but I mean, it's a step, right? It's a major step to getting back at this thing for hockey teams. They're going to need ice to be remade for skating. Uh, but the facilities could be reopening in, in, Somewhat similar fashion here in the not too distant future. Yes, no. I would say yes, and and again, from our purposes, our standpoint, what I do, I I would welcome it just because that would give you stories and access and things to write about and, and things that people can talk about. Well, I don't know if they're going to let us in there. <laughs> well, I'll put them on Zoom calls. I don't care as long as they're working out. <laughs> My, we Mike is the- one of the four allowed in the facility. <laughs> <laughs> Mike and three players. Okay. He's just, uh, to- he's just omnipresent. There. Every time they come in there, there's Mike waiting with a pad and paper. Hey, what would you have for breakfast today? <laughs> Mask and gloves. Totes has full access at all times. He'll be in there. Yeah, he, Totesy, you're the one. <laughs> they, I'm hoping. They, we'll yes. See. My God, they'll welcome you with open elbows in a mask or whatever it is that they'll be doing with that. But I hope so. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there are so many corners to turn around and obstacles to skip over and all this stuff. But it, I mean, the, the state of Texas is opening up for business again on Friday in some ways, at least the lockdowns getting pulled off. And I heard this morning there's something like 13 states now that have removed that. You guys hear that? I haven't heard that, but it is. I mean, it's it's moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people want out. Well, yes, that's part of it. And and part of it is uh, that we've, for the most part, done a fairly good job, obviously, if we're at this point now where uh, things are subsiding a little bit. Although it does feel it does feel a little bit like a roll of a dice, though, doesn't it? That it's like, well, let's see how this goes. Like, it, I feel like we're a control group or something. <laughs> I definitely think so, and I think you almost have to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you, if you want to stay at home until you get a vaccine, then that's your your other option. But at some point in time, you have to test the waters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like you can play defense forever. At some point, you have to score a goal, right? Right. So uh, get on the attack. Some say, Michael, that, that your best defense is a strong attack. <laughs> I'm not sure if that works in this case. No, I, mean, I don't I don't either. <laughs> what, it's really interesting just watching the, the medical professionals um, because they're making their best guesses. Um, and and I think they're doing very good things that have helped, you know, 
people from dying. I think they've done some great things. But at mm-hmm. some point in time, I think you have to push the boundaries and say, okay, when can we do this? When can we do that? How can we you know, live our lives in a manner in which we're not really right. raising the, the chance for uh, spreading uh, COVID-19? And yeah. at the same point in time, I mean, like if, I, my wife and I have talked about this. If If you shut it down for 18 months or whatever they say you might have to do, then the repercussion from that could be just as deadly as, you know, the repercussion from the disease. So there's a lot of balancing going on here for politicians on on how do they uh, manage all of these things. And it's, you know, really an impossible task, and you just have to make your best guess on some things. Yeah. Well, and, and human nature, you can hurt humans for a little while, but then it's like hurting cats, right? Well, and I love people who say, say, this is a free country. You know, it's a free country. I can do what I want to do. And you're like, well, yeah, there's laws, though. <laughs> can't break yeah. the laws. Yeah, good point. Good point. The, uh, hey, look, I, I, I wore a mask at my job my whole life, uh, my first job. So <laughs> People didn't want you spitting on them. No. I spit all over the place. That mask is gross, my mask. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the light has gotten to it. Uh, and it's killed off whatever was on the inside of that thing. But, man, that is one gross area of uh, a sports apparatus, the chin-mouth area of a goal mask. Ugh. All of the hockey stuff, all the equipment, this, there's a smell to a hockey uh, dressing room. and It's not pretty. Do you miss it? No. No, I don't either. I miss hockey. I don't miss the smell. Yeah. Maybe the smell will go away, too, that they have to be cleaner now. Yeah, I mean, I'd be disinfected. <laughs> Uh, hey, I watched the uh, second Sunday of uh, Michael Jordan's Last Dance. It, it is just so phenomenal. I think everybody's sort of talked about this in the sports world because he's just such a incredible icon uh, with Nike. And obviously Jumpman is everywhere in college athletics along with Nike. He, he seems more Nike than Phil Knight now, does he not? <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And, and that's I think that's actually a good thing. It shows that you, uh, one, are a good promoter in Michael Jordan, and two, you're a good company in finding that guy who can promote your your product and, and tell people that your product's better just because that guy likes it. Mm. Uh, so they've done a very good job of that. And it's it really, like, if, if you're a fan of promotion and products and all that, uh, it may be one of the greatest stories ever, those two getting together. Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of those stories out there now. But I love this because it's it's truly behind the scenes, and Totes must be just losing himself, even though he doesn't understand uh, <laughs> '80s, '90s Bulls and NBA, uh, just because of what you do, Jeff. And I mean, for them to be, every, they were everywhere. It's amazing. And well, th- there's two things. One, one, they were everywhere. And and two, that the the individuals weren't as like if you did you do that now, and I think our athletes are terrific, but but they're well versed in in a lot of things now, right? Because cameras yeah. have just been everywhere, including on everyone's phone. Well, back then <laughs> nobody had a cell phone, let alone a, fo- uh, a camera on your cell phone, and. To have that and for them to have their guard down and as much behind-the-scenes stuff, it's it's just phenomenal. And I watch – I don't know about you guys. Well, you don't watch it, do you, Mike, because they beat the Pistons. So. Yes, I, I have not yeah. watched. I, I've heard a lot about it, but I, I don't like Michael Jordan. Oh, my God. I hate Isaiah. By the way, he remains <laughs> one of the most unlikable people of that era. I don't think the Pistons actually liked him that much. But. Oh, my God, but he comes up. <laughs> He still comes off as a, a complete cad. Well, he's, I mean, he's 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 just man. He's just not not. There's no redeeming real quality. That smile, that Cheshire cat smile. Forget he had a few it. big shots. I mean, that that was forget it. For, for oh, did, he? <laughs> did he? Anyway, uh, I, my, my sort of premise when I, to, for this question was just watching all this behind the scenes stuff. And if you could follow a dynasty team on its last championship season, which one would you, would you select in our sport in hockey? 
I went with uh, Scotty Bowman's last campaign because I kind of actually got to cover some of the playoffs there. And so the 79 Habs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 2002 Wings. Uh, that was a great team from – I mean, I think it would be a great story because they added Hasek, they added Hull in the offseason. Dotsuk was a rookie, and then Scotty just uh, walked away after it all. And, I mean, anybody who's been around Scotty and knows what he's accomplished, he – you know, he is the greatest coach in, in NHL history. And, and I just would think following that team and seeing his mindset and seeing how he approached things. And, and also, I think, how Ken Holland and Jimmy Devolano tried to manage Scotty Bowman. Uh, I think that would have been an, an interesting documentary. Yeah, but that was only one year. You are correct. And then they actually went on and were pretty good. They just were pretty good without Scotty Bowman. Yeah. Well, the Bulls haven't been pretty good without Jordan. That is a true statement. My about, second choice would be your choice, I think. Uh, the 2000 Stars? No. I thought you'd go with the Oilers. Yeah, I think yeah. I probably would. The 2000 Stars would be fascinating, too. But yeah. I, I look, and your choice from kind of our time would be, if you're going with true dynasties, you, you'd have – You'd have the uh, 70s Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. So, again, you'd have Scotty Bowman. And and you'd have Lafleur and Dryden and whatever. But you'd have if, – if you could ever – I mean, there wasn't enough video in that around then. But if you could ever get behind-the-scenes stuff of that run, I'm going to read his – I still haven't started his book yet, sitting on the floor. Um, I think that would be fascinating. I wonder whether the – the team that took over for them, the Islanders, if you if you had Potvin or or uh, you know not Billy Smith, I mean they don't really have that level of iconic player that Jordan was with the with the no. Bulls. But the '83 Islanders, after you know the last year of their run, but I mean Gretzky, Gretzky and the '88 Oilers. That's easy. I look back. I honestly think. Because I was there, you know, that season. I, I I look back and I think Gretz knew that he was probably done as an oiler. Some way, somehow. Even in the way he celebrated, or maybe it was just the fact that that it was the it was the fourth one there. I I'm not sure, but it was different. And uh I think I just think it would knowing what I know and and stuff that I don't know, it would be fascinating to see that entire story from their inception uh, back when they came from the WHA on through getting Gretzky, building, winning, having to get by the Islanders, which is very similar to the Bulls having to learn how to get past uh, the Detroit Pistons. So, you know, Messier was essentially Gretzky's uh, Pippen. Uh, if if not him, then Yari Curry was like it was just. There's a lot of parables. Yeah, and I think you look at what Pocklington had to do with the finances and everything like that, and that would also be a nice little sidebar that would kind of draw to what Chicago was going through with its ownership and its management as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I mean he I, was he was in and out of courts. He was juggling oh, all sorts of stuff. It was the. Uh, I mean, it, it was an interesting story within itself, and it's what led to the you know. The breaking down the team. Yeah, well, there. I mean, it started when uh, you know players. You got to remember back then there there was no salary disclosure, so guys didn't know what other guys were making, not only on their own team but around the league. And unless they asked, it just wasn't really talked about all that much. And as they had more success, guys wanted to get paid, and they didn't want to pay them all. You know. Koff left, Moog left, you know, guys left, great players. Man, if they'd have held that whole thing together for the decade in a bit, poof. It's amazing because you look at some of those uh, uh, Stanley Cup teams, you go down the ages, it's like 23, 24, oh, 25, yeah. 26. Oh, yeah. You're like, and this is, you know, when they're winning Stanley Cup number yeah. three or four. <laughs> yeah. Now, don't you think somebody would have tried to super team just to gang up on them and build a team that could beat them. You know, it's interesting because I, I think that's what Toronto's tried to do there, you know, the entire time. I think Detroit for a little bit 
when the Illiches, you know, had some money, they tried to do it. I, I think it's harder to do than than you think. Now, again, you know, can you super team and lose money? I mean, because that's what Pocklington said he was doing that he was losing. Yeah, money. I'm not. I'm not sure that was accurate, but I mean, well, I, I think the I think the Oilers are paying for everything. Yeah, uh, I know. Well, all Palm Dairies and Gainers Meats and everything else that was going on. Yeah, they were the bank. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know if if a team like Montreal or Toronto could have spent enough money to to super team them because they would, you know, they would have gone off after those players, I guess. So then that. Well, I mean, like you too. you look at that you look at that era, and you know the Bruins. The Bruins were one of the best teams. Uh, obviously, the Flyers came close. Uh, right down the road, the Flames were close. Uh, you know there were there were good there were really good teams, but you'd have to almost you'd have to combine multiple yeah. teams in order to knock them off. They were just there was just too much talent, yeah, too much depth, too well uh, coached with John Muckler. Like it was, I mean, it was phenomenal. It's funny when you're living it, you don't really think much. When you watch a, a show like Jordan's Last Dance, and uh, or the Last Dance, I always call it Jordan's Last Dance it's about him. The uh, and you're just like, man, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stuff goes on behind the scenes. Anyway, you've been pretty fortunate to be a part of some good things. So, or they've been fortunate to have me around them. Which well, and is, again, which way I does think, that which way I does think, that traffic flow, Mike? I think Ooh. there's some coincidence in there that uh, these great things have happened while you've been no. around. I am I am one fortunate individual, man. I really am. You need to watch it though. I know I do. Um, it, it's just it's it's such a enjoyable uh, trip back uh, in a time machine. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and, and it's I very love well I love done. Rodman. Obviously, he started with the Pistons, and yeah, I just think he's a hoot. So I, well, I would you'll, probably you'll enjoy love, all that. You'll, you'll <laughs> love uh, episodes three and four then. <laughs> uh, so I keep hearing more and more back to just today, uh, I keep hearing more and more about hubs as a way of getting the game back and going again uh, and finishing up what is the uh, paused 2019-2020 season. You, you feel that's the best avenue too? Um, I think to get the regular season finished um, and, and to show that this can work, yeah, I, I think that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, you know, it just makes sense that if you can get the people in a controlled area, and again, a lot of this has to come down to testing and, and you know, keeping up with all the uh, parameters of social distancing, um, that, that that would be a good way to, to, you know, plow through 10 regular season games or whatever it is that people need to see uh, to determine who's going to be in the playoffs. Um, and, and, you know, the other interesting thing about all this is you don't need huge arenas. I mean, you could you could hold these I don't in think Frisco. You, I don't think you want huge arenas. Right. There's not going to be any people in there. Right. Uh, so, so just from a cost perspective. Well, uh, but here's here's the thing, though, Hikes. You, you may not want a big arena, but y- it has to look good on television. Otherwise, there's not going to be much point to it, right? Are there enough of the even the Allen event centers of what four thousand? Yeah, but it's a or? it's a lighting it, a lighting, there's issue. A lighting uh, issue to it. I mean, you could they could fix it. But I mean, Tosi, am I am I completely off base, or is that not one of the most important things? I feel like the uh, only one of the star centers that could do it would be Frisco on the on the big arena side, just because they they have to light it up well for legends and stuff, because that's broadcasted. Uh, I, none of the other star centers, I don't think, would show up well. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I've been in the Allen Event Center. It is darker, but it's a three, four, five thousand seat arena. And it's just like the one in Frisco, where you know I, I think it's yeah, it's at that level. So I mean, if, if you if you can use American Airlines Center and Frisco and Allen and you know whatever else, then then maybe you could be a hub and you could rotate games. And certainly the facilities are enough for the you know equipment crews and the the trainers and the people who have to look after the players. 
Yeah. Uh, the more the more I hear, Hobbs, the more I want a March Madness style playoff in it, too. Yes. For the NHL. I don't know. For the actual playoffs. Yeah, call it August Audacity or September <laughs> Sensation. Something that and get John Tesh to write the music for it. Da, 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 ba, ba, da, da. I don't know. The, I like uh, you you need you get regions together, right? Because cross border might be tough. <laughs> yeah, talk yeah. Ourselves. Like I, I, they talk about all these these regions and that, but what you're gonna you're gonna have Canadian teams and American teams together in the beginning. I don't. I don't know. Maybe you do this. Maybe you have a you have a Canadian uh, region. You have a West region. You have a Central region. You have an East region. Two hubs for each region. What do you think of that? Okay, I like it. Then you yeah. win your hub. Then you win your regional. Then you win Super Semi Saturday. <laughs> Super Semi Saturday. <laughs> we got then you play the Cup Final. <laughs> Then you play the cup final, and it's Labor Day. <laughs> Bam! I just figured it out. It is one viable solution, though, Daryl. I think it's the viable solution. <laughs> Canada, West, Central, East, two O hubs for each region. Win your hub, win your region. Super Semi Saturday. Play the cup final, bam, hand it out. We all enjoy Labor Day weekend, and we come back for the 2020-21 season. (laughs) Oh, God. Who knows? Anyway. Uh, Did you watch the NFL draft, uh, you two? I did, actually. I enjoyed that quite a bit. I did, yes. Were you locked on it, or did you just peruse it, or... Cursory, visualize it. What'd you do? I perused. I watched a lot of the first uh, round, but then after that, I kind of drifted off. What'd you think, Totsi? You're you're more I, I was locked in the first round, not for a football aspect, but purely for a broadcast, seeing how they brought it together. I was so curious to see what product they would be able to bring us, and it was awesome. I would love to see it behind the scenes just on this past weekend at ESPN. So you liked it? I, well, given the circumstances, I thought they did, they brought us a good show. Didn't didn't you think that that uh, for the NFL? And I know it, Goodell was at his house, right? Is that what they said? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they could have came in ahead of time and built him some kind of a studio, could they not have? I think yeah. they. Actually, I mean, again, it looked it looked like it, cable access television. Yeah, but it seemed like the theme of the whole thing was kind of a look inside everyone's house oh, for better or for worse. Oh, okay. And it was kind of... So he had to dumb it down a little bit, whereas Jerry said, screw it, I'm coming I'm coming at you from the yacht. <laughs> Jerry Jerry flexed with that one, and it was awesome. Yeah, Goodell was not... On, <laughs> didn't have the best setting. No. I, I liked it, though. Good. That was, yeah. I mean, I watched I watched some, and I, uh, I actually Twitterized, I uh, tweeted... Uh, one thing, I, I was struck by the fact that Joe Burrow is 23. 23 years old. Does he look younger? No, he's he's a 23-year-old draft pick. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to get through these classes and everything. The, the I know, I know, Mike. <laughs> the <laughs> average age of a draftee this weekend was what? 22. Yeah. Yeah. And the number one overall pick was 23 years old. 23 years old. That's five, six years older than who the or whom the uh, NHL scouts and managers are trying to figure out they should draft first, second, third. Should they change the draft age in the NHL? I think they should. I like your idea. I think they should make it older. So right now you have to turn 18 by, I think, the middle of September of your draft year to be eligible. Obviously, you can get drafted when you're older. Right. But I I think even one year older would be better. You get a more mature player, 
uh, it would help the amateur leagues like the CHL keep players longer and have uh, an older league, a better league, instead of uh, youngsters, too many of them. So the trickle-down would be there. Financially, it would be better for the league because then they're not taking care of players at 18, 19, 20 financially. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that football. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you're right, Mike. Like, they they sign these guys to an entry-level contract, and by the time they're done their entry-level contract, they still don't know what this guy's going to turn into because he's 20, 21. Plus, the other thing is I think the prospects – would potentially arrive on NHL rosters sooner, too, right? Yeah, that's the whole football thing. That you bring a guy in, he's playing for you next year. Right, right, right. Of course. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't know. Imagine if it was twenty for the NHL draft. Yeah, I think that'd be great. And then uh, I don't know about that. To... <laughs> that's, well, but I mean, I when you bring a guy one. in, like some of these guys that they're trying to develop, they basically have to hand over to the junior team and just let it go. You know, they can't even bring them into their AHL team because of the rules with junior hockey. So make yeah. the draft 20, let them stay in junior hockey. And then as soon as you get control of them, you've got control of them. Yeah. But then I, I think you'd, man, you'd open yourself up to rival leagues and that where they'd be like, well, we, we're not going to, we're not going to hold you down. We'll, we'll draft 18, 19 year olds. You can come and play for us. The NBA had that a little bit back in the day, and they, they just kind of, of course, they eventually lowered it. So, yeah, it was a big problem. Yeah, I, I looked at a stat. Uh, I think there was a there was an article that came out of Edmonton. They went back to 1979's draft. There was one 18 year old drafted that year. Wow. The rest were all 19 and 20. Uh, and then it just, you know, it slowly got younger and younger. So, so if you were going to, if you're going to look at just the Dallas stars history of the draft, could you pick a year that was the best draft year? I looked at a bunch of them and it is a little bit hard. That was the goal. That was the actual, the assignment. That was the assignment. Yeah. I looked looked at at a bunch of them and decide which ones were the best ones. I found a couple of them, but, uh, 2012 to me. Actually sticks out pretty good. Um, let me get this. Yeah, it's on my list. Foxa, Shore, Lindell. I think those are impact players. To get three impact players in one draft uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you've got, especially, you know, Raddick and, and uh, Essa are both, I mean, those are, those are legit, help you win NHLers right there. Devin's moved on. Uh, I looked at 05, too. I know there wasn't that many, but Matt Niskanen and James Neal have had pretty significant careers in the old National Hockey League. Yeah. It's so funny looking back and seeing just one guy. Like, you're looking at uh, oh, I you know. Know, eight, I know. eight players drafted, one guy made it. I know. Well, so, again, yeah, to, but to I get back to what guy. I was just talking about, Michael, like, you're you're picking guys at 17 and 18, and you're just, I mean, I don't know. It seems pretty good. You don't know what they're going to do, how they're going to develop, what else is going to be available. Like, it's, it is truly a crapshoot. That's what they call the draft, you know, a lot of times, a crapshoot. <laughs> they let me behind the scenes uh, a couple of years back, and, and it really is interesting just, like, what is the job of a scout? So you go out. And you spend, and they work hard. I mean, they, you spend oh. all year looking at all these players. Then you get your list and you go into a room and they say, okay, well, where should we put this player? Where should we put that player? Where should we put this player? And then they take a, a, uh, a draft and you've got your list. And then your guy gets taken two spots before your team picks. And you're like, okay, well, I guess we're not getting my guy. And then so then they go to Europe or they go to Ontario or whatever. And then, you know, comes around the next round and, oh, sorry, your guy's not on there either. And so you worked all this year and not one of your guys gets taken by your team. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, that is an interesting job. Yeah. You got to love watching <laughs> hockey. <laughs> I know, yeah. Driving uh, in snowstorms. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the other year I – 
I looked at just from uh, Dallas was obviously more recently. 2017 has a chance. Yeah. You know, obviously Miro is, you know, he's Miro Haskinen. But Jake Ottinger uh, taken as well. And, I mean, again, you're talking about the advantage of picking high, which helps. Yes. Uh, but Haskinen, Ottinger, and Robertson, uh, that that could be – that could be a real uh, foundational draft going forward. It's interesting. I've had this discussion with scouts before. Do you think if you were running a scouting department, would you just go skill, skill, skill? Because it just—I know Erratic Fox or uh, uh, Jamie Alexiak or you know guys like that are important to winning. But it seems like you can get those guys as free agents or in trades easier than you can go get a skill guy. And so it almost seems worth it to, you know, just take the risk, go after the skill guys, and and try and get, you know, try and hit a home run, uh, you know, in every single draft. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I know you have yeah, to build the I whole mean, organization. I, I think but... part of it. I think part of the challenge too, don't don't you feel is that you're you're trying to draft for for tomorrow, and you don't quite know. There's no certainty as to with the style or parameters of your league are going to look like by the time they're players in your league. Yeah. You know, like you can sit there and the league can say, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go with nothing but skill. So you draft nothing but skill. And it's a, it's a game about skill and it's speed and it's this and that. And then all of a sudden in order to win, you have to have maulers and brawlers and guys who can fight their way uh, through a mudstorm in order to show their skill. And then you're looking on your side and you're like, well, we got a big basket of skill, but they can't get out of their own shadow. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it, it just seems like, but, but then the danger must be if you're constantly trying to chase what you think it's going to be. I, I mean, my God, I, I I believe you just need a vision of what you like. There, there are certain things in athletes, certainly in hockey, that there are traits that that transcend generations. And skills, yes, obviously. But I would I would like to be able to tap into something deeper, um, more psychological, and find out you know it's like i'm i'm reading the uh some uh military books see i'm fascinated by the seal teams and that and it, i find it interesting how and and it's it's fascinating and obviously there's they have things they can pass along but the, the idea that elite uh seals could pass it something on to the working man or woman in an office setting is is uh, a bit of a stretch when you consider what their vetting uh, process is to become a seal. You know, like if you could vet everyone in your office the way they do to be on a seal team, then you'd be like, well, yeah, then of course I I feel confident that we have we don't really need any uh, leadership within our group and that because everyone's essentially a, a leader and you can rely on this guy and that guy and they all have skills and this and that. Well, yeah, because they went through all that stuff. So if you could find that, you know, that type of mental toughness and uh, competitiveness, everyone always talks about that. I mean, if you can find competitive guys that just, you know, gnaw your arm off to beat you, uh, then you have, you have something special. But then at the same time, when you're, putting this puzzle together, you have to stand back and say, well, we're going to need different parts. You can't have everything the same. Uh, And you probably do need some followers to go along with your leaders and you need some uh, grind to go along with your skill. It's a fascinating process. I I agree. And I I just think it would be easier if they were uh, just a smidge older uh, when these uh, higher ups and, and brass were trying to figure out which guy, who these guys are that they're drafting. Yeah, I agree. Do you think uh, that teams don't 
dedicate enough to the mental side of the athlete? Yes. I, I, see, I think so, too. I mean, like, yeah. you sit there and you see every drink that they could possibly take to help their bodies. You see every training technique they could use to help their bodies. But they just don't put in the same amount of money and attention to helping their minds. No. Well, not everyone. I mean, you know, you're, every, every one of these uh, – hockey departments is trying to find an advantage over the others. Right. And that's where quants and analytics have come in. Uh, and you know, there's validity in that now, and, but everyone's doing it. And I just think the, I, I think the mental side of training and scouting and prepare just all of it is underplayed yeah. at this moment. And I would, I would put a ton of stock into that if, if I was piecing stuff together. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I mean, the, the, obviously the the seals have a certain mindset and they and they have a lifestyle, but it would be interesting to you know at least set up a structure that would help uh, athletes when they're nineteen or twenty to develop into that kind of person when they're twenty five. Yeah. So. Yeah. Draft and develop. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Maybe. There you go. The uh, uh, the old football club around here had a pretty good draft, apparently. Yes, everybody loved it. They yeah, Every, they they truly were a, a club, and then they all say, you know, you hear it at every draft in every sport. You know, we did not think he was going to be there, <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, really, you're like, oh my god, he was the, you know, we we figured he would be long gone, but I mean, we just uh, he fell to us. I mean, it was perfect. He's uh, a player, uh, and you're like, well, why didn't you take him in the first round then? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you love exactly. him so much. But uh, I, you know, C.D. Lamb is, I mean, that's that's a player. Uh, I've watched a lot of him because my daughter goes to school up there. So um, if I'm going to weigh in on on draftees, that was a good that was a good draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry, Jerry coming from from the the yacht somewhere. <laughs> The it's great awesome. blue yonder was just so awesome, and it 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 made me think: who is the Jerry, or who was the Jerry of the NHL? Because you almost have to go more past than present. Do you not? I yeah, mean, I think to so. find a Jerry Jones type owner, uh, manager, all these things mixed in together. Uh, and just create what he's created with the Cowboys uh, is is fascinating. I mean, they're the they're the most um, financially uh, just magnificent sports franchise on the globe now, are they not? Yes, and and you know, I think what he's done up in Frisco and with everything else. I don't know if it's him or if it's his people, but his ability to see something and see a way to make money is amazing. The fact that they can have tours or restaurants or people just want to go eat at the Cowboys practice facility. Well, it's a wildcatter in them. <laughs> it is. <laughs> he's looking, he's looking that, for that. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, so now in, the, in today's NHL is – it, can you find uh, an ownership somewhere that's that's uh, close to that? The one I thought of was maybe the Wurtz clan in Chicago. Um, yeah, to some degree. Uh, you know, Jeremy Jacobs obviously is the most powerful, but he's more under, like he's very uh, soft-spoken. I don't think he's out there doing what Jones does. The, the one guy who I actually think has a potential to be is, is our little Dallasite, Tom Dundon. I think he wants that spotlight as an owner, and and you know if if he can pull off a few uh, strings and turn the Carolina Hurricanes into something important, uh, he would be the guy I think he would like to in, try to embrace that type of personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought about him too. There, there's, I mean, it, it's our sport. There's a lot of terrific people at the ownership level around the NHL. Uh, but it's mostly low key, right? Yeah, just like it's our a, athletes. It's a business to them, yeah. I think. Yeah. In what about in past? Bruce McNall is the one that jumps out to me. 
Oh, really? Who, who stole Gretzky? Yeah, I think he he loved the spotlight in in L.A. He was a bit of a wildcatter himself, you know. Supposedly art uh, antiquities that he imported and became a millionaire. I had um, dinner. I had dinner with him in in Vegas. <laughs> See, we it all big, comes back to you. You're we, were, we were in Vegas, and. Uh, I was with some guys from the Oilers. It was the year um, that uh, Gretz had gone. And uh, so he's in L.A. And it was, it was, it was crazy. Like, we were, there, we were in Vegas for 10 days. That's a long time to be in Vegas. Yes, it is. <laughs> but we were, yeah. we were going to leave. And then the... Uh, and then somebody was in contact with, with Wayne and he was like, well, wait, we're going to come in on the weekend. And he was going to come in with McNall. Uh, so they, they came in on the weekend. We went for dinner one night at, at Caesars and went out. Fascinating. He was a neat guy. Yeah. Very engaging. And, and I mean, a, a guy who could say, I want Wayne Gretzky on my team and then make it happen. And that's a Jerry Jones type move. I think there was a story just cause we were in Vegas that, that, uh, uh, McNall could count cards, and he got banned from Vegas when he was younger. You ever hear that one? No, I have not. Yeah, I don't know whether it's true or not, but yeah. I mean, a lot of made, stuff. About we made a him pile was... of money that night. I can tell you, though. Know? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the stuff about how he got his stuff. There's, you know, people say he cheated, he swindled, he got stuff uh, illegally imported. But I mean, the guy was smart. He knew how to get get around things. And yeah. he knew how to get the millions. And so I, I just, back in the day, I remember, and, and he became what? The head of the the Board of Commissioners, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so he clearly. The Board was, of Commissioners? Is or whatever it's called. The Board of Governors, sorry. Who who would be the head of the Board of Commissioners? Uh, Commissioner <laughs> Gordon, I think, would be the head of the commission. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, the guy I thought of was Ed Snyder in Philly. Yeah. The Just because of. Snyder started in Philadelphia as the vice president of the of the Eagles, uh, and then a couple of years after that, uh, that he famously mortgaged his home to buy into the NHL with the expansion Flyers, and it, it just sort of reminded me of of when Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys for what was it 130 million or something or 300 yeah. million, and uh, and then it, you know built that thing. Uh, Snyder uh, privately uh, helped finance that new arena in Philadelphia, very much like Jerry World here. Uh, he started Spectacor, which always sounds like a James Bond villain company, <laughs> but uh, he he was a pretty impressive human being uh, in what he built in Philadelphia from basically nothing, from an expansion start. Yeah. And they won right away, too. They were the first expansion team to win uh, the Stanley Cup, they won it uh, in seventy four, seventy five. Is that right? I'm not sure, but that sounds right. Yeah, two years in there with the Broad Street Bullies, and uh, the other one, I guess, would be Harold Ballard in a completely different way. But he was yeah. just such a big personality in Toronto, and it was, you know, it was the Leafs and him, and uh, he was nuts though. Uh, that was that was just. It was craziness. Whether him. it's him or whether it's you know who the ownership group is now, they've done an amazing job of being the only hockey team in Toronto. Um, you know that to me just is a, an incredible business feat because they really can charge what three hundred bucks a ticket and people will line up to pay it. Oh yeah, so, oh yeah. So keeping yeah, that exclusivity I mean, is important. Yeah, and they've branched off a little bit up there into. Other things is Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Yeah, uh, but I don't. I don't know that they. Hey, look, nobody's done with what Jerry Jones has done here with the Cowboys. No. Uh, I mean that's that's just an amazing story, and to watch him on, on a yacht uh, with his family making ticks during a pandemic <laughs> was just surreal and awesome all at once. Well, and then they have, the and, then they, and then they have the greatest draft they've had in decades. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I said, all you got to do is go back to those pizza commercials where he's a star of, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, 
selling Pepsi and Pizza Hut or whatever he sells. So that's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That well, what was that story? The the league was the league was Coke, and and he was like, well, I don't care what the league is. I'm Pepsi. Right. In in uh, yeah, I mean he he architect was sort of the architect in some ways or the instigator of the the modern television deal for the uh, NFL right which is just a financial juggernaut uh, like he's just his fingers are all in up in the NFL it's on the leather he's on the pick <laughs> he's a very um, smart man he is that he is that no question what else you got anything I don't this week <laughs> that's it I'm- I'll be more prepared next week. Would you take a week off? You're like Rodman? You took off I to did. Vegas? I did. I went to Vegas. <laughs> the 48 hours. Yeah. I went to the backyard and, and pressure washed uh, my entire fence. I don't know how you know what? I, I did some pressure washing myself this week. Yeah. It's peaceful. It's cathartic. Yeah. It really is. I did my I did my deck. There's a sort of surprise that comes out of just wasting water. I was telling my uh, friend up in Michigan that you know, just a, accomplishing a simple task like that, you look back and go, hey, I did that. Yeah. That looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't looking forward to it at the beginning. Yeah. And then you get going and you can, you can, it's an instant gratification thing too. You just, you just sweep that wand across and you, you can see the dirt just get blown away and that pristine, clean, looks like new is right there, and then you do another strip, and then you do another strip. It's just awesome. It's amazing how well that stuff works. Just, you know, pressurized water, and it just blasts it out of there. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's low-tech is what that is. It is. I'm also yeah, looking into some, uh, putting some plants in, so I, you know, I'm researching Look that at, on the internet. You and I are so synergized. <laughs> I get up every day. I make my bed. I make my bed. There's a task everyone can do. I learned yeah. that from... Uh, the admiral, and uh, and I I I get that done. I like climbing in a med, made bed. I like the look of the bed made in my bedroom. I don't want it just to. I don't want the college dorm cover just thrown up over top of the pillows made either. <laughs> I want a crisp, tight tuck on the side, and a folded uh, duvet, and a and puffed pillows. Not a lot of pillows, just the pillows you're going to sleep on but puffed and uh, pretty straight, crisp lines all over on the bed. That's how I start the day. And uh, I, I also put in a bunch of flowers. It was a wonderful day of doing that. Uh, pressure washed. What about gutters? Uh, gutters? Not, I have not. We have uh, gutter screens, so they've been very oh, effective. Oh, look at you. You've got gutter screen money. <laughs> <laughs> We had them installed a few years ago. It was one of the best investments uh, I've ever made. Well, I'm gonna. Have we to... have a lot of trees here. Well, so do we, and I'm I'm minor a mess right now, so I got to yeah. do that. Well, good. What about you, Jeff Totes? I have nothing to pressure wash. I think my equivalent is I I bought a. What about uh, your teeth? <laughs> I bought a dust buster. Um, so that's like my version of pressure washing, I guess. A dust buster. Yes, and now that we talk about it, it, it's honestly been years since I've made a bed. I can't think of when I would have. That's crazy. I'm going to do mean? that tomorrow. I haven't made a bed in, like, why? I don't know. What do you do? I can't even think of the last time, like, the context when I would have made up a bed. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Make I your bed. Yeah, I, I will tomorrow just for the, I don't know, practice. <laughs> we, are, we are a bed-making family. Mrs. Heike gets on the kids, so every – the kids have to make their beds every single morning. It's an, it's, it's an uh, relatively easy task. It's a good routine, and and it pays off at night when you climb into that made bed. It's awesome. It does look good too when you're just blown by the door and <laughs> doesn't yeah, look like a doesn't look, room Otherwise, like it just looks like a slop fest. It's gross. Uh, I like make that. Make your yeah. bed. <laughs> or or as you probably do, Tosi. You just shut the door to the bedroom, and then it just goes away. Yeah. I'm in a studio. It's all one room. Well, like, you have to make your bed. <laughs> the, the bedroom slash kitchen slash living room. My God, make your bed. 
Yeah, that, I probably that should. Would be a, that would be a good opportunity there to start the, a routine there because people are coming over. You need yeah. your bed to be made. Yeah. You vacuum up the dust bunnies and make your bed, and off you go. <laughs> well, there's Remember- a dog, Totes. Do you still have it? No, it's still still no dog yet. I'm still uh, waiting. I guess it's oh, okay. a really really good problem that the Dallas shelters are have very low. You're on a dog list for fosters. Yeah, I'm waiting for to get one, but we'll see. I don't I don't think it'll go huh. through because once once there's talk of us working, get playing again, traveling, like then it's not an option. So we'll yeah. see. Did you see Danny Soder did it? I thought that was really cool. I did. Yeah, yeah that's one of the ones who kind of inspired the idea. And he and his got adopted, so yeah, strong awesome. work by him. Oh, you mean you take the dog in and then it gets adopted? Yep. Yeah, it's just oh, fostering, so it's just a couple of weeks. Yeah, because like that Danny be, and Totes couldn't have a dog because they travel. That'd be crushing. It's like a low low commitment adoption. <laughs> it's like Tinder for dogs or something. Then is that what you're doing? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just swiping through these, waiting to match. Okay. Well, April rain brings May flowers. Right, I think our next our next rinky dink will be in May. Mike? We can talk. We can, we can talk about your choices. I'm a big fan of the uh, copper leaf begonias. They do very well here in Texas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, pentas. I I, I planted uh, pentas, and uh, uh, what else? I'm not a begonia guy. I, they they get tired too quick. They do real well in the summer here in my backyard, so that's why I like them. They'll go all the way into yeah. the fall. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll save that for May. Okay. April rain brings May flowers. April quarantine brings May semi-normal life allowers. Talk to you in May, everybody. Bye. 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 They've been saying you're sophisticated